tonight. Come on, I love the Word of God, and it's so true. We're going to talk once again about hook, line, and sinker. And tonight we're going to talk about life in, but no life out. We're going to be talking about life in, but no life out. I really pray that as we have gone through this series, now even just for a couple of weeks, that the messages in dealing with offense, have really challenged you and that your eyes have been opened. It's amazing how many times we can go through life and not even realize that we're carrying an offense in our life, that we're not offended, and and that we've got unforgiveness in our lives. Why? Because offense is there. It's all around us, but we must never let it become a part of us. Never let it get into our hearts. There's a saying in the world that says this, if you play with fire, you're going to get burned. Anyone ever heard that? If you play with fire, you're going to get burned. However, listen to this. When you allow God to put you in the fire, when you allow God to put you in the fire, you're going to come out refined. They say if you play with fire, you're going to get hurt. But when God puts you in the fire, you're going to come out pure because God wants to refine you. And he uses the heat of adversities, trials and tribulations to do that. I wish there was an easier way and there is an easier way, but we wouldn't listen. God has to turn up the heat in order to get our attention. And one thing we've discovered is when the heat's turned up, all of a sudden our impurities begin to surface. Come on, we spoke about it Sunday morning when the buttons are pushed. Come on, when the wrong buttons are pushed and people say the wrong things and do the wrong things, watch what begins to surface in your life. Many things are those things that we don't want to admit. We thought we had dealt with them. We thought we'd suppressed it and pushed it down and and, and passed over that. But the heat of adversity and trials and offense, all of a sudden, things began to surface and begin to surface that we thought were long, long ago. Through the fire, through the heat, who we are will surface every time. And every time, offense will try to justify those impurities and pass the blame. Watch, we're not talking about other people in this series. We're talking about you. Come on, we're talking about you. We're not preaching to the person beside you. We're preaching to you today because offense wants to pass the buck where I believe it's time that we say, God, search me, O Lord, like David said, and know my heart. Try me and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. There is so much that I love about God's word. There's so much to love in God's word. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. 
But one of my favorite things, here's one of my favorite things that I love about God's Word. It not only exposes and identifies my problems, but it also gives me the solution for them. I love that. That means God's Word's the package deal. A lot of people are quick to point your faults and your failures and say you've got this, this, and this, but then they can't take you any further. God's Word reveals to us the heart and the state of our heart. It reveals the problems, the areas of weakness, the areas that we are not really as good as we thought we were in. But guess what? It gives us the solution to everything. It's the answer to every problem that we face. I'm glad that God doesn't just take us to the edge of the cliff and push us off. I'm glad he's got a parachute. Come on, I'm glad he's got, I'm glad he swoops down and picks us up. I don't care. We're not going to crash on the rocks below when we follow the word of God. But when we do things man's way, we sure will. But here is how God gives us the answer or the solutions. God calls them this, commandments. Commandments. And we're not talking about the Ten Commandments. We're not talking about the law. They're important. But we're talking about the fact that now as children of God, we're in the dispensation of grace. Meaning what? That the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. We've got life in God, but there are still commandments. But here's the problem that we have. We don't like the word commandment. We don't like the word commandment. Because we feel it's been forced upon us. We feel that we don't have a say in the matter. Because it's a commandment, it leaves little or no room for interpretation. So what do we do? We get mad at that. We don't want that. When God says it is a commandment to do this thing, many times because of the rebellious heart we have, we say, I don't want that because you're not going to tell me what to do, God, and you're not going to boss me around. Who do you think you are? That's the attitude many times we have to that word commandment. Well, we need to rethink it for a few moments. Because interpretation and choice, which is what we want, Because if we don't want to follow a commandment, we want our own choice and we want our own interpretation. But you and I have got to realize tonight, because of our interpretation and our choice, that's what's got us in the problems where we're at. It's our choosing. It's our interpretation. We've got to realize that God knows best and that he has the best for your life. If you're a parent in here and your kid is going towards the stove and there is something hot on that stove and you know that they're going to go and grab it and they're going to burn themselves, my God, what do you shout to your kid? Stop! You don't care how you sound. You are sounding out a commandment to that kid. Why? Because you know if they touch that thing, guess what? They're going to be harmed and they're going to be hurt. You've got to see the fact that God loves you so much, he gives you a commandment. He's not saying, hey, just burn your hand and let's sit and talk about it later. Thank God that God has commandments. For what reason? To stop us from harm, harming ourselves and causing problems in our lives. It's a command to help us and to save us. And what a fool we are to choose any other thing apart from his command and his way. His commands and his ways may not be always the easiest and the most comfortable, but they're the best. You know why they're the best? 
because it's his commands and it's his choices that get us to the end of John 10 verse 10. What do I mean get us to the end of John 10 verse 10? Because the thief comes to kill, steal and destroy. That's the first part. And God says, I've come that you may have life. We like that, but we've got to get to the end of that verse. And God says, there's a life that I have for you that is a life of abundance. Not a mere existence, but a life of abundance. We'll never find true life in interpretation and choice but we'll find it in following his commandments and following after him. But you see, through offense, this is what happens to us. We take on life, but because of the fear, because of the hurt, and because of the bitterness, which are fruits of the offense, we cannot release life. We take on life, but we cannot release life. And that's what I'm going to talk about tonight. Life in, but no life out. Turn to your neighbor and say, if that's you, come on, turn to your neighbor and say, if that's you, no wonder you stink. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, if that's you, there's life in and nothing out. No wonder you stink. Because you know what? If there's life in and nothing coming out, there's going to be a stagnant mess. Something is not flowing properly and things aren't moving as they should. And that's not good and it's definitely not God. Turn with me tonight to Matthew chapter 24. We're going to read a few verses of scripture tonight for Matthew chapter 24, verse 4 through 14. And the Bible says this, and Jesus said to them. Now you've got to understand in this passage Jesus talks about the signs of the times, the end days, that in the last days, this is what you're going to see. He spells it out. So that's what we're reading tonight. Matthew 24, verse 4. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations will rise against nation and kingdoms against kingdom. And there will be famines, there will be pestilence, there will be earthquakes in various places. And these are the beginning of the sorrows. They will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by nations, all nations, for my name's sake. And then many will be offended and betray one another, will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because of lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow, or the King James says, wax cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved, literally taken up out of here. Speaking of the rapture. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world, as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Look at verse 10. And then many will be offended. Because of their offense, read on what happens. They'll begin to betray one another. And what happens? They will then begin to hate one another. Verse 11, then false prophets and deception will come. And verse 12, the result is the love of many will grow cold. That is the progression of offense. 
from offense becomes betrayal, hatred, wrong advice, deception, and ultimately your relationship with God is affected. I don't think I really have to tell you tonight that we are in the season of his return. It's silly for people to try and speculate the day because the Bible clearly tells us in Matthew 24 verse 36 that no man knows the time or the hour. Only accept the Father. But Jesus said that we will know the season of his return. Which we have just heard a description of tonight. I'm telling you, This is the season of His return. This is the season of His return. All the earthquakes, all the famines, the disasters, the pestilence that we read of. But notice, isn't it amazing that in the season of His return, amidst the earthquakes, the famines, the nation against nation, the fights and everything, Jesus says these words, you're going to be offended. Many are going To be offended. And this passage is referring to us as believers. It's referring to us as Christians. Because the love it's talking about of waxing or growing cold is the word agape, which is a God-given, unconditional love. We don't have that in ourselves. It's only given by God. Because we have love like a philo love, which is an affection, like for friendship. But it's conditional. But the love that we see here is not performance-based. It's given if even it's not received in return. It's an unconditional love. It's always there. It's the love that only God can give. So don't think, well, it's dealing with the world. No, he's talking to the church right here. That we're going to be offended. There's going to be opportunity to betray and hate each other, to follow false teachers, to find ourselves deceived. And as a result, we're going to find our relationship. With God. There's a whole other message here, but let me just talk for a moment about love. Can I do that? Agape love, God's love. When many of us, if not all of us, are not living in that love anymore. And you know why? Because we've allowed offense and hurt to come in. So instead of freely giving of our love, we're wounded. And therefore, why should we love? You don't deserve it. They said this, they did that. They don't deserve it. Agape. Unconditional. Unconditional. Whether we realize it or not, it's a commandment that Jesus gives. We need to forgive others and treat others as he forgave and treated others. We need to love and forgive like Jesus does. No wonder the disciples cried out in Luke chapter 17, verse 5, when Jesus started talking about people offending you and wronging you. No wonder the disciples cried out, God, you've got to increase our faith. You've got to do something, God, because we can't do it on our own. Come on. That's what we're crying out. We need divine intervention. We need divine intervention because without it, we're going down. Do I hear an amen? We're not going to make it. But tonight I want to... Paint the picture of offense again in your life. If you would, from one scripture, Proverbs 18, verse 19. Proverbs 18, verse 19, and you can follow on the screen if you want to. It says this, a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city 
and contentions are like the bars of a castle. One translation says a brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city. When I took our kids over to England this summer, we were driving through my hometown of Norwich. Luke pointed out the window and said, Dad, what's that? I said, Luke, that's part of the old city walls. Where I'm from in Norwich, our city used to be completely surrounded by a massive wall. What makes a city a strong city is that it has a protection all around it. Walls that were built to stand the test of invasion. To stand the test of those who wanted to try and come in forcefully, who weren't welcome. It was walls that kept everyone who was unwanted, the troublemakers out, the enemies out. It was walls that were there for protection. You go to some of these castles in England, you not only see walls, you see a moat all the way around, that it was flooded with water, an extra protection. that They first had to get through the water in order to hit the walls. The Bible says that when we're offended, we're like a strong city. Because here's what happens when we get offended. We construct walls all around us to protect us and protect our hearts. They're not going to hurt me again. No one's going to hurt me again. I'm not going to let anyone close. The defense mechanism. How many of you have heard it said, they put the walls up? Protection so I won't have to take on any future wounds. Remember what we're talking about tonight. Life in, but no life out. And here's where it starts. Because the next step after we've constructed the walls is to man the walls. To guard those gates, any entranceway in. And what begins to happen is we become selective in our lives. We deny entry to anyone who we fear will hurt us. And listen to me, many times it's the people who perhaps love us the most that we deny access into our lives. Because after all, the ones who love us the most are the closest to us that means they can hurt us. The most. We deny entry. We begin to filter out all those who could cause us any further harm. The only ones we allow in are the ones who are on our side. You know, the ones that tell us what we want to hear instead of what we need to hear. A lot of people go to advice of someone that they already know before they go to and what that person is going to tell them. Many people don't go to people for them to say no. Many people find the right people to ask advice from because they want a yes. So they'll pick a yes person. They'll pick someone that says, oh, sweetheart, you do whatever you want. Or, sir, you go and do. Listen, I don't want to be around people who are yes people. I want to be around some people that say, what does God's word say? 
Have you prayed about it? Have you sought God? Have you sought the counsel of other people? I want to be challenged in my life. But you see what happens. When I build up the walls of protection, I deny entrance. I begin to filter. I begin to let in the ones that are, who are going to validate my hurt instead of challenge me in what I'm doing. There's only one problem with the people who are going to validate your offense. And that is this. Most of the time they're offended themselves. Most of the time the people we let in that we think are on our side are the ones who probably have it worse off than what we do. There's a saying out there that says this, water always finds its own level. You can put a whole group of people together in a room and it doesn't take long for all the negative people to find each other doesn't take long for all the businessmen and those who've got it all together to find each other, the jocks to find each other. And it's not just based upon looks. It, it, there's just something about it. People revolve. They find, they're attracted. There's something about them that they're just attracted to that. So now what happens is this. We're guarded. The walls are up. We deny entrance to the ones who perhaps love us the most, who can help us, but we keep them out. We let the ones in who can perhaps cause us the greatest harm, but yet they're our friends and we think they're good. You know what happens? Instead of helping us, you know what they do? They do help us, but they help us by saying, let me help you put some more stones on top of your wall. They help us stack other stacks or other stones on top of our already existing walls. Listen to me. That place of protection now becomes a prison. We're a prisoner to our own making. Very rarely do we ever even dare to venture out of our walls because we're a prison. Elvis Presley wrote a song, I believe it was, to his wife Priscilla, and he says, we're caught in the trap. We can't walk out. I think the rest of the words say, but please know that I love you. He wrote that to his wife because of the life they lived. They were in such a trap. They could not step outside of Graceland without being mobbed. If they had to do anything, they had to rent amusement parks throughout the night. They had to rent it all for themselves. They had to fly in their own private jet wherever they wanted to go. They couldn't be out in the public because of the prison they had made for themselves. Graceland, you go and do the tour. They talk about it. It became their life, their world. All the fun they had was in the walls of Graceland. How sad. How sad. You become the victim. And when you're the victim, therefore everything is inward and introspective. If someone tries to give you advice, if someone tries to counsel you, someone tries to talk to you, someone tries to correct you, someone tries just to befriend you. Come on, if someone just wants to do life with you, you know what you begin to say? You begin to think, that everything they say and do is attacking you. You can't receive those things without it being a personal attack against me. 
John Bevere says this in his book, The Bait of Satan. If we don't risk being hurt, we cannot give unconditional love. And listen to this statement, an incredible statement. He says, unconditional love gives others the right to hurt us. Unconditional love gives others the right to hurt us. Why? Because if we love unconditionally, we give others the opportunity to hurt us. Because we're not running to our walls. We're not building up our protection. We're not filtering in and allowing those that are really causing us more harm because they're helping us build the walls higher. And now we're not in a protected place. We're in a prison. We're trapped. We don't venture outside of those things. Unconditional love is what? It's releasing us. We know what true love is. Because it's in God's word. We can quote it so often from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We love it. That unconditional love, which isn't about itself. It's not about its own agenda. It's a love which is all about giving. It's a love that gives at times sacrificially, but it doesn't care because it's not about it. It's about others. But because of offense... We can't do that any longer. Or at least that's the wall we hide behind. We tell ourselves we can't do it, but we can. Listen to me. We can still do it. We can still do it. The same choice we did to put ourselves in a prison is the same choice we need to make to remove ourselves. It's a choice. I heard it said so many times, love is a choice. But I don't feel like it's not about a feeling. Love is a choice choice. The choice. You see, we take on life, but through fear we cannot release it. Life in, but no life out. We become stagnant within the prison walls of our offense, the hurts, the wounds, the past. An awful thing the past is. Yet how often do we give such glory to and allowing it to lock us down and rob us from the future that we have. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3 and 5, or 3 through 5. It says these words, For though we walk in the flesh, our fight is not against the flesh. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war against the flesh. Verse 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That means fleshly. But mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Verse 5. Casting down arguments. You know what arguments are? It's the reasoning that we have constructed in our mind. It's that which we have fabricated. It's that which we have made up that the whole world is against us, that this is happening. I cannot do this and I cannot break through. The Bible says we've got to cast down every argument and everything that what? Exalts itself against the knowledge of God. The Bible is telling us right there that if anything is coming between us and God, stopping us from truly knowing him and his forgiveness and his grace and his mercy. If there is anything else in our lives but that, 
What have we got to do? We've got to cast it down. Because anything that comes between us and God is something that stops us from fully knowing Him. The Bible goes on to say that we have to bring every thought in captivity to the obedience of Christ. What was or what is the obedience of Christ? What is His obedience? I'll tell you what it was. It's His willingness to go to the cross. But not only his willingness to go to the cross, he went to the cross and he died for every one of us. You know what his obedience speaks of tonight? Your victory. Because of the cross, you have the ability to be free. Because of his obedience to go and die for every one of us, you and I are without excuse tonight why there is not complete victory in our lives. He's the only one that can set us free. But because of or through offense, we no longer even see him as that. What do you mean, Pastor Philip, we don't see him as that? Because we say God can set me free, but yet we don't believe it. We don't believe it. We don't walk in the freedom. We don't walk in the new man. We don't walk in the spirit of life. We don't believe it. Casting down arguments and everything, literally anything against God's word, his instruction and his command, we need to get it out of the way. The wrong reasoning that we develop through offense. You know what happens? That reasoning is what we take all incoming information through. And we process it through the wrong reasoning. And what begins to happen is we fail to see the fact that we can have victory in our lives through God. Those walls, once for protection, now become tools that Satan uses to torment us. Because they war against us really knowing the knowledge of God. Tonight, if you are filtering everything into your life through past hurt, rejections, and experiences, you're going to find it hard, even find it impossible to really truly believe in God. Didn't say you weren't saved, but you're going to find it hard to believe in God. We know there's freedom in Him. Because of the walls, the prison, the people we surround ourselves, we no longer see how it's possible for our lives. Maybe for them, but never for me. In the process, dealing with all of this, we push those away from us who love us the most and care for us the most and want to be there for us the most. They're just like everyone else. Just what my ex-wife, husband, whatever used to do. 
We begin to equate them and we begin to throw them as in the same person. They're not the same person. We all deal with the sin nature. There's all things inside of us that we have to deal with. But never is that person the same person. But because we're filtering it, because our reasoning is that which all information has to go through, we see everyone as an enemy. We begin to doubt God's ability. We begin to doubt God's love. We doubt his goodness. We get doubt his faithfulness. And we sang about it tonight. His goodness is forever. His mercy is forever. His kindness is forever. We doubt that. And here's why. Because we take God and we equate him as a man. We compare God as the relationships that we have with other people around us. We judge him in the same way that we judge other people's. Well, God's just going to hurt me like that person. What if God disappoints me? What if God fails me? What if God doesn't come through? Why? Because of the disappointments and the failures of people around us, those perhaps the closest to us. So now God's going to be exactly the same because that's how we reason from our offended stronghold. It's a prison. Your cell. We begin to equate God the same. No, 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 no. Never, 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 never. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than you and your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. He says in Numbers 20, 11, 23, I think it is, or 23, 11, one of those, my dyslexia may have kicked in. He turns around and says, I'm not a man that I should lie. Neither am I the son of man that I should repent. Have I not said it? So shall I not do it. He's not a man like every one of us. He is a God that through his obedience, you can be free tonight. We can break the walls of rejection. We can break the walls of the hurt. We can break the walls of the past. We need to break the walls of some relationships that we have that are helping us to construct bigger walls. Instead of telling us the truth, you need to get on your knees. You need to repent. You need to cry out to God. There's forgiveness that you need to go through. Why? Because God wants to set you free. God's not like us. He'll never hurt you. He'll never wound you. He'll never harm you. But he's only there to help. Stop justifying your actions and your feelings, your offense, and ask God to help you to repent of the unforgiveness you have in your heart. Because of offense, we want to hold on tighter instead of releasing and letting go. The pains, the rejections, the hurts of your past have no business to be a part of your today. They must be left at the cross. They must be placed at the foot of the cross. Given totally to God because of his obedience. We have victory. We can now have life in and we can now have life out of us. It's not just coming in and stopping It's coming in and it's flowing out in our relationships, in our work, in our lives. It's coming in and it's going out. That's what God called us to be. God didn't call you to be a strong city. God called you to be a conduit where the water comes in and the water gushes out. 
That's why I believe, and we're going to talk about it next month in the church, getting plugged in. I believe that's why it's so important you need to be plugged into church. You need to be plugged into God. Why? Because I believe there's something that happens when you get the life in and you share life with other people. When you're a part of a ministry that's reaching people, impacting lives, it's flowing through you. God can get it through you. God can get it to you. It's life in and it's life out. We must allow God to break those walls. Oh, but Pastor Philip, they're so nice. They're so comfortable. They're they're me. I don't know what I would be outside of those walls. I can tell you, you'll be free. I'm afraid of that, Pastor Philip. What do I do? You live. You live like you've never lived before. You laugh like you've never laughed before. You feel peace like you've never felt before. Don't be afraid of that. What's the best? Don't accept a lie when there's freedom in God. Your freedom in God. You must allow God to break the walls. To break those thoughts. To break those reasonings. And I wish I could tell you right now, we could pray right now and it would be gone and you never have to deal with it again. You're going to have to ask God maybe a couple of times a day to break walls and change the way you're thinking. Because it's amazing how naturally we can revert back. Jesus isn't gone long and what are the disciples doing? They're fishing again. It's amazing how quickly we can revert back to those things. But I'll tell you how you stop reverting back by moving forward can't go backwards while you're going forward. Come on now. It's impossible even to fall back when you're going forward. You may fall forward, but guess what? The momentum's going to keep you going. You must allow God to break the walls, those thoughts, those reasonings that have held us prisoner for too long. So you and I, we can live free tonight in God. Would you bow your heads with me tonight? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heartsease Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.